When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chesie Hour. My name is Meads, and I'll be your host for this one. Today I'm joined by Sam. How you doing, bro? Good man, good. It's been a good week. Good week, so I'm feeling good. It's been a good week, all things considered, all things considered. And I'm joined by Alexis. How you doing, bro? Not too bad. It's been a while since I've been on the pod with you. Yeah, man. Welcome back. Uh, a friend of the pod, a friend of Touchline. So, yeah, welcome back, man. Oh, well, I know a lot of people want to get us, we want to get started and get our teeth right into the Real Madrid game. But I think we can kind of slow down and go back a little bit. Um, because obviously, after two back to back defeats um, with, well, against Brentford, uh, a Tonkin as well by Brentford, and then a Tonkin by Real Madrid. Thomas Tuchel got into the players hard um, and we came up against Southampton. Southampton away from home is not an easy fixture in the Premier League um, and we tore them to bits. Now, it seems like quite a while ago because it kind of was because uh, a lot of football has been played since, a lot of emotion and emotional feelings have been felt this week. So, cast your mind back if you can, Sam, um, to... Just the degree of that performance. Um, what, what were you expecting when you were going into that game, actually? Um, I can't lie. I was, I was relatively confident. I feel like we always do pretty well against Southampton. Um, I feel like we've got a decent record against them. A lot of other big teams seem to seem to have a bit more trouble than we do. I can't really remember. I, f- I remember we drew to them. Um, no, we lost to them 3-1, I think. Was, was that under Conte when he just got... No, I think it was Mourinho, actually. He just got sacked after that game. But yeah, I was, I'm pretty confident. I think the way Southampton play, um, like in a good way, I don't really think they give respect to big clubs in a way of like where they just sit back. And I think that's what we struggle with more. Um, I think they've got obviously Hassan Hootel, who I'm a fan of, um, but he does like to he does like to open his open his legs sometimes and get absolutely pounded. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, but he's a good manager, but I, I kind of respect him that he doesn't kind of go. He doesn't change how he plays and he plays pretty open, expansive football. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty confident. I didn't actually see the game because I was playing football myself. And then I obviously uh, I came, I think it's half time when I finished my game and I saw it was like 4-0 at half time. And I was like, wow, I'm excited to watch this one back. And then, yeah, when I eventually watched it back, it was, it was good watching. Yeah. Who do you think was your standout, I guess, in that game? Standout in that game? Uh... I guess it's got to be Mount, to be honest. All right. So uh, then, okay, yeah. I'm gonna quickly, I'm gonna quickly pause you there. And I'm gonna get Alexis. Alexis, um, again, similar question to you, mate. Um, what were you feeling in terms of your just the build up to the game? I know you're quite, a, you can be quite pessimistic, which is understandable because you know it's um, it's Chelsea and emotions run riot. So, h- how are you feeling in the build up to that game? I was nervous. And only because Southampton 
they can punish you. And they're fairly good against the big boys, apart from the times when when it goes wrong, it goes wrong for them. So yeah. there's never an in-between. So for me, it was Tukul's come out and called them out so publicly. Yeah. And I felt like the media jumped on the narrative. Oh, we shouldn't be saying that. Or, yeah. Almost policing what he should and he shouldn't be saying. Yeah. So for me, I was like, this just stinks of a draw. Pressure goes on him. We have a dead rubber game because in my head, I felt like Tuchel. I felt like the tie against Madrid was over. Mm. So, yeah, but I was pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm I'm going to say this. I feel like, like you say with the media, um, obviously we don't have... um, we don't have much Chelsea representation in the media these days. Um, but I feel like it was a big pylon and a big something out of nothing, really. Tuchel was evidently angry, evidently upset at the players because rightfully they didn't turn up. And we can we can complain about it. How can, in one sense, you, you're so happy and excited about his honesty, but when he's frankly honest again... You're like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that about the players. I don't think he said anything untowards about the players. But he was right. They didn't turn up. They didn't show the energy and hunger to play in the last two games. And he protected them in, in moments where not necessarily played that badly, but he protected them in terms of performances. He's taken accountability on performances, especially when it's not necessarily his entire fault. So this time he had to light a, a, a fire out their, their backsides because... I'm sorry. He was absolutely right. There is no way you go into Southampton, let alone Real Madrid, with that sort of work rate, energy, and expect to win. There's no way. There's no way. So I think he was right in doing what he did. And like you, like you, Alexis, I was quite nervous simply because I just felt like, you know, Southampton away is not an easy game. And I've seen our rivals not play well there. Um, so I was quite worried, but then I also had confidence because obviously Broja wasn't playing, and he even though he's not in great goal scoring form right now, he does actually work the channels and move about a lot. So I think he'd keep our defense occupied. So with him not playing, I was quite confident. Um, after the nerves kind of settled down, I was quite confident. Um, but yeah, talk to me about the goals because in fact, Sam Sam said that Mason Mount was the best player for Chelsea um, midweek, uh, yeah, against Southampton. Alexis, would you agree? Because I'm of a different opinion. I'm, I'm of a different opinion. For me, it was Timo Werner. Big facts. Big facts. Yeah, I think, uh, to you be know fair, what? May, maybe, maybe you're right. You're, you two are probably right. I honestly, like, when you, you kind of stuck me in it, I was like, uh... <laughs> like you said you at the start what? of the podcast, like, so many emotions a... have happened. Like... Sam, it was just a test. It was just a test like that. <laughs> I wanted to know what your default would be, and I knew it would be Matt. So, I, it was just a test. You got what? <laughs> Matt got what? Two goals and an assist? So, I thought, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, he, he I has to be up there. Really, I knew it was going to be, but no, I thought Timo Werner was, and you guys know I'm not his biggest fan, but I thought Timo Werner was exceptional. Alexis, talk to me about his performance. It's the urgency. It's exactly what we needed. It's what we missed midweek against Madrid. It, it was the end. He, weirdly enough, personifies Tuchel's philosophy of what a footballer should be, just minus the first touch and control. The energy yeah, minus being a like footballer. Yeah, like the commitments <laughs> there, the high volume chance creation. That's what Tuchel wants. He's not clinical in front of goal, but I don't think Tuku expects his forwards to be clinical all the time because if things go to plan, we will create numerous opportunities. And we've shown that in the last two games. When the front three are on song, the way Timo was, he was hassling, he was harrying, he was confident. And I don't know where this confidence came from. And I feel like he's a player that depends on confidence so much. And when his confidence goes, he literally defaults to being a sprinter. But when he when he's so arrogant in the things that he attempts, there'll be two, three players in between him. He'll try and knock it past them with just a blatant flick and just run. It's nice to see. It's actually it's refreshing because some of our forwards, I feel, are too quick to delegate responsibility. Just knock it back and then we'll rebuild. And it frustrates sometimes. So it was nice to see. And I never give him credit. 
Yeah, I say the confidence comes from the fact he's scored, what, is it like 30% of his goals against Southampton or something? I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something like he scored, I think, six was, against them. And I can't, yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got 11 Premier League goals, six against Southampton. <laughs> yeah, yeah I guess that that's sense. why he's confident. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... Look, I, I agree. I think that he brought a lot of energy, a lot of hunger, a lot of desire, um, which is something that you get from Timo from time to time. Um, I do feel like... His performance against Southampton showed a lot of courage after being out of the team for such a long time. Um, so he definitely deserves credit for that. One thing I would say is that he does like playing against Southampton, like you guys said. You know, so he was always going to feel quite co- quietly confident he could get something and just pinch something from there. But generally, the performance itself is not something that you really speak about with Timo Werner, but his performance overall I thought was quite good. Um, technically, he didn't look too sloppy, although he is kind of a bit of a mess still. He didn't look too sloppy. Um, he kept trying to drive at them, which was good. Um, so, yeah. He, he, should have uh, had five goals at half Yeah, time. he should have had five. He hit the bar, he hit the, the woodwork three times. Yeah, he should have scored those two, goals. So. Yeah, yeah should, that's the bad. thing with Timo, though. You get, you get, you get so much um, mess with Timo Werner in terms mm. of... Just the way that he plays, he's very haphazard with his play. But that also impacts the defending team. I think it's very difficult to handle Timo Werner that's just buzzing about. You know what I mean? Because his movement is as such. I feel like his movement was pretty impressive against Southampton, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that he had that many chances. And he could have had even more in terms of, like, if teammate tried to find him with his runs. His first goal was amazing as well, in the sense that it was a bad header from Wood Prowse, but he read it. Yeah. And then he was confident enough to go around the keeper because Forster's a big guy. Yeah. And I actually think he, he's an above-average goalkeeper. Like, yeah, he's a presence. He's, he's a big yeah, presence. He's a, and he's very good at, like, just shot-stopping and one-on-ones, in my opinion. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert in goalkeeping, but, yeah. like, he, he's not one that when I see someone take a shot, I go, oh, he's going to fumble it or something. Yeah, but yeah, he yeah. took it so well on his weaker foot. Like, I know I'm clutching on straws, but... This is Timo we're talking about at this moment in time. Like my my bar is on the floor. With it. No, that's fair enough. I feel like you're right. I feel like the 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 not necessarily the technique, but he ran with his he used his left foot to knock it past him and his left foot to finish as well. So those are the small details that show that he was quite confident in that situation, how to handle the one v one, which again is not something you really attribute to Timo Werner. Um, especially this version of Timo Werner that we've been we've had for the last two years. But yeah, honestly, I felt like his goals and his endeavour warranted a start against Real Madrid because we saw what Christian Pulisic was done, has done, and the last 18 months of Christian Pulisic, to be perfectly honest, has been a bit of a mess. Um, but let's not digress too much. I also want to touch on Mason Mount because again, like Sam says, got a golden assist. His first goal was fantastic. Similar to the goal that he scored against Norwich, where it just flicked up for him and then he banged it in a volley, drilled, drilled it hard and low. Um, the keeper had no chance, really. Um, and then he got a goal, he got an assist as well. So he, Mount, Mount, Mount had an assist for the opening goal for Alonso. Again, fantastic finish. Um, but yeah, that assist was really well. Yeah, it was a brilliant assist. Brilliant assist. It was a brilliant assist, you know. A bit of ingenuity to open up the play for Alonso to just smash it in. Um, but no, fantastic. Mason Mount has had a fantastic week, generally. I think his performance against Southampton is really good, but Timo Werner just edges it for me. And then, yeah, so then we've got a goal for Havertz, which is kind of getting a standard situation for him now. He's on good, good goal-scoring form. Um, I did want to touch on the tactical deployment against um, Southampton. It was kind of a, a hybrid 4-3-3 slash 3-4-3. Um, what did you make of it, um, Alexis? I, I like it. Um, I find it very... I feel like the forwards are closer together and mm-hmm. the two midfield... like they, the, We had runners in the midfield. I thought mm-hmm. Kovacic and Kante were getting forward and supporting. Mount was dropping into a mid, to make it a midfield three when we didn't have the ball or when we were building play, which was really nice. But then whenever the ball went to Havertz, he wasn't isolated. Mm-hmm. So... And with Southampton's kamikaze higher line, the ball in behind was always on. But at the same time, you would trust Kai Havertz to retain it 
and then bring others into play. It's actually very exciting to see where we go with this because yeah, yeah if we deploy it, it's evident we're creating chances and it's all we've been like crying for. I agree. I completely agree. I feel like we are far more flexible, um, far more aggressive on the ball as well. It also helps when you've got two players that kind of can really look after the ball on one side. I think well, Loftus-Cheek um, made that third man midfield really, really work. And then you also had like, it wasn't like a split striker system when you had Mason Mount dropping off behind, in fact, um, Havertz and Timo Werner. Um, so it could definitely punish teams a lot harder. Sam, what did you make of it? And were you kind of thinking that we're going to, is it a system that you want to try against Real Madrid or was it something that you were thinking, okay, let's just revert back to type? Um, I really like, obviously, Kovacic and Kante. I, I've always thought that's our best... Um, best midfield like duo like together um i like kind of i think if you saw their kind of um stats at the end of the game they made it like an obscene amount of in- interceptions and stuff like that um and that's all you kind of need and that's what you hope for because kovacic i think kovacic is our best midfielder i said this kind of two three two three months ago i honestly like as much as i love kante and he's probably like been one of Chelsea's greatest ever players and on Kante's day maybe he's still like better but Kovacic is just he's easily I think been our most consistent and he gives you everything you want from a midfielder like I can't really think of one thing he can't do like if I was to describe a midfielder I I can't think of one thing that Kovacic wouldn't do so it's not as much about the system because I think what I like about Tuchel and Chelsea is Tuchel's, he's not stubborn, which I like in a coach. Like, if you see yeah. something wrong, he'll go and fix it. Um, maybe he doesn't do it as quick as people want, but I think fans are a little bit unrealistic in that. It's like, oh, subs now, like, on the 25th minute. It's like, yeah. it's probably not going to happen, do you know what I mean? Like, these coaches set out, like, a plan at the start of the game and they want to yeah. at least try and see if it works. Yeah. So I like that we're fluid in formations. I never really want to stick just to one formation and... Um, be, be kind of um, pinned down by that formation. Yeah. I really think you can use different formations in different games and like they'll help you in different games. But I, I just think the main takeaway I'll take from that game is the Kovacic and Kante pairing in midfield, even if it's a three with one other or if it's a, if it's a double pivot or whatever. I think, I think that's our best, best um, duo. And that's nothing against Jorginho and that's not saying... I know people like to get onto Jorginho. It's it's nothing. It's more me hyping up Kovacic and Kante. I just like, yeah. I like the kind of the makeup of those two players. I like what they give you. Um, yeah. There's a nice balance in an ideal way. Yeah, exactly. Sam, Sam don't you think it, um, there's a sorry to interrupt, uh, but don't you think it's so refreshing to have a manager that thinks outside the box? Like for example, Malang Sar sometimes plays le- left back and then converts into a le- uh, left centre back. It yeah. off the ball and then Ruben Loftus-Cheek who would have thought to play in right wing back but at the same time when we're in possession it goes into a diamond it's just it's really refreshing to see for sure man I think like even when you see Chelsea even within a game we play different formations with the ball without the ball yeah. the formation that goes on foot mob or sky sports or whatever you see on that piece of paper before the game that's very rarely how like if you look at the game like our players will be all over the place. Yeah. Even obviously, um, I know that um, Glenn Hoddle interviews like circulating a lot today. And you hit kind of tier two could explain in it and how even like our wing backs will go into like striker positions sometimes and just things like that. Like, I love the fact that we're much more fluid now. And I think to get to Liverpool and City's level and to kind of be chasing the titles, I really do think Tuchel's the man we need. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like being tactically um, flexible is literally the key to being a champion. Um, and that's why when I, I always look at Tommy E.T. and I, I always get that air of confidence that I don't really, I don't really get upset or angry or frustrated at his decisions. I do have trust in his decision-making. You know? I have trust in his decisions. Um, not Maybe not so on transfers. I still remain to be seen. But tactically, at the very least, I always feel like he'll put us in a position to compete. And it's up to the players to really do the rest and implement his plan. Because, yeah, Tuchel is 
one of the best things that's ever happened to our club by by a million miles, by a million, million miles. He is one of the, he is the ultimate equalizer. And I say this to people in the touchline chat as well. He is an ultimate equalizer because you've got the super coaches, which are Pep, Klopp. Um, I think Tuchel elevates the club, elevates our players to levels that you can compete against those two. Do you know what I mean? You can compete against anyone in the in the world, really, any club in the world, and you can have a fair bit of confidence that you'll be able to compete. And that's something that not many managers are able to give you. I think that any 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 club, and that's including even a Liverpool, for example, if Klopp was to leave, they'd be looking at Thomas Tuchel. Manchester City, they'd be looking at Tuchel if Pep was to leave. You see what I'm trying to say? Any top club. If they were changing managers, they'd be looking at Thomas Tuchel or Thomas Tuchel-like personality, Thomas Tuchel-type coach to come in because what he brings is not only a relentless desire to win, a relentless hunger, tactical discipline, tactical nous, and expertise that, and a calm presence that you can just throw anything at him and he's able to handle. That Those sort of qualities are super, super rare. And super, he's like he's literally like a gift. The same way he describes Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho as gifts, I think that Tuchel is a gift to Chelsea. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 100%, man. So he's then, everything you want from a modern coach, million percent. So as we move on away from the Southampton game, and I just want to give out a quick shout out, shout out to Ruben Loftus Cheek, who did play in that wing backs sort of like um, hybrid centre midfield role against Southampton, was excellent as well. Um, People are wondering, oh, well, you know, do we bring Aspie back in? You know, do we, we play Reese James and Aspie as a wing-back? Or, or there, there, were just, there was a lot of um, questioning whether Ruben should keep his place. In fact, lots of Chelsea fans are saying, absolutely not, he should squall A, because a lot of them don't actually believe Ruben's good enough for, the, for, for Chelsea, let alone the Champions League semi-final and quarter-final match. Um, but, yeah, Ruben performed really, really well for me against Southampton. Um, creative, driving from midfield, driving from out wide, robust in his challenges, robust in his defensive duels, um, and his fantastic um, positioning. There's one thing that I, I noted in that Southampton game was his positioning and his tactical intelligence. So then to see him start in a quarterfinal of um, uh, Champions League, and I kind of want to do move on to the Real Madrid game, um, what did you think when you saw the lineup? First and foremost, you guys. Um, yeah, so I first saw the lineup, and like with a lot of two cool lineups, you kind of sit in there going, is it 3 4 3? Is it 4 3 3? Because obviously he's used a lot of players in a lot of different positions. Like you said, who would have ever thought that Ruben would play as a wing back? Um, but I believe um, I said in the chat, um, that it's going to be a lot harder than Southampton for Ruben. Um, yeah. Like, this is Real Madrid, this isn't Southampton. Um, so that, that was a little bit of kind of nervousness about that. Uh, and I just, I literally put in the chat, please, Werner, don't be Werner. And luckily, <laughs> we'll get onto it later, I imagine. But yeah, he wasn't. So that was kind of my thoughts on the lineup. But first, looking at everything else, I was pretty happy with and pretty expected, to be honest. Alexis, what was your yeah. take? Um... I'll be honest, initially, I, I was so confused because I looked at it at a very basic level. I was actually very disappointed in myself after I thought, there's no way Tuchel's going to leave Vinny with Ruben. Yeah. That's, that's not going to work. And then I was frustrated in the fact that I always feel, this is damning, but Reese James is one of our biggest threats going forward after Kai Havertz. So moving him further back down the pitch... It was really frustrating because I thought we could exploit their left-hand side. I'm not the biggest fan of the left-back Mendy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I also included in my tweet, Thomas Tuchel's earned the trust. Like, who am I to question him? This is why he gets paid the big bucks. And it showed once again, Yeah. this is why he gets paid the big bucks because he made the decision and it was perfect. Yeah. Tactically, that was um, a true masterclass from Tuchel and but for a couple of mistakes and when you know certain other coaches did used to say individual errors individual errors um but but for two mistakes I feel like we go through um and we'll get onto those mistakes later on but I think tactically Thomas Tuchel was incredible um it's 
it was such an incredible performance from us. I feel like we we can't understate it because not only do you have to go there with the pressure of having to win, but to put on a performance of that level to actually obliterate the record holder Champions League European Cup um, uh, winners, it is insane. It's insane. The Champions League is literally Romero's Cup. You know, they've won it 13 times, I believe. They you could are, tell with the decisions as well. Yeah, maybe. you know, exactly. And they are just um, a different calibre of side that you face in the Champions League. Playing away from home in a packed stadium, their brand new stadium. It was all against Chelsea, really. And to put on a performance like that, an 80-minute performance like that, was incredible. Um, again, special shout-outs to Mason Mount, who was fantastic. He got the ball, the party started with a fantastic finish. Fantastic finish. It was a great move. Ran with the assist. And then Mason Mount absolutely blamed it past Courtois. Um, and that was 1-0, man. 1-0. And generally, the goal was coming. Like, you felt the goal coming. We were on them. We didn't let them breathe. We suffocated them. The pressing from Werner Mount Havertz was insane. Incredible. Ruben off the chic just like literally locked down that side. Mendy was couldn't get out. Venetius couldn't get out to even even in the moments where he got 1v1 with Reese James, Reese James shut him down. It was brilliant. Tactically, it was a, a, a masterclass. It was superb. Um then obviously t- uh, we got Rudiger with a fantastic header. Again, Mason Mount assist from corner. People talk about open play assists, open play this, open play that. Come on, when you can't argue about Mason Mount's productivity this season, 25 goals and assists in all competitions, not even been a guaranteed start all the time as well. He's had to fight for his place and rightfully has retained his place. So, yeah, people want to talk about the opposition that he scores and assists against, but again, he's done it at the highest level against one of the biggest... Don't get me started. Players. That's the nonsense Come on. I've seen in my life. This is, it's such a rubbish stat as well, because I it's think... Like he's bottom like, 12 teams, you know, yeah, it's, it's, half it's the it's nonsense. He's got, I think he's got like eight, eight or eight goals and assists against teams in the top half. So what are you even referencing that is so pathetic? But anyway, and a, and a set man named Dissu is pathetic with it, but you got Pam the other day because people actually brought up the stats and he yeah, he's even lying. We got dusted with the lies. But anyway, um, yeah, Mason Mount again on the highest level, biggest stage, did his thing, performed very, very well, goal and assist. Um Obviously, Ruben off the cheek, I thought he was playing really well. Tactically, he was spot on. Um, I thought just the whole team generally, even Alonso, Marcus Alonso, many of us aren't big fans of Alonso, but Alonso for me performed really well. On the underrated app, for example, shout out to Dan Soft. On the underrated app, I gave Alonso a 7 out of 10, and I felt he deserved that. I felt he deserved that because I thought it was really good. Again, the midfield. Gave us good balance, right? Yeah. Really good balance. Really, really good. The midfield base of competition, Kante, I thought was excellent. Kante, despite the mistakes that we're going to get onto, I felt that Kante had a good game. He played really well. Kovacic was incredible. Um, Sam, I know you're, you're a big fan of Kovac now. What did you make of that hit return to the Bernabeu? What did I make of what, sorry? Kovacic's return to the Bernabeu. Oh, I think I, for me, like you said, I honestly think it's a rare game where I can't point at anyone and say they had a bad game. But still, yeah. for me... Kovacic was my man of the match. Um, I've been a fan of him. I've been kind of in his corner for so long. Yeah. I just, like, as a footballer, he's... I, I mentioned it earlier. He does all the things you want defensively. And then he picks up the ball. He'll go past one man and you're like, okay, now you pass it. And he goes, nah, fuck that. And go past two or three more. And you're like, okay, fair enough. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Like, I can't think of in Chelsea, like, during my time of supporting Chelsea, and that's since like since I was a kid, I can't think of a midfielder we've had so like technically good at dribbling. Yeah, and it's such a such a good um, kind of good ability to have, and it helps us get out so many times when we can't pass it out when they're pressing. Just give it to Covert, and you know he can beat two or three man. And like, yeah, maybe he'll lose it a couple times. I, that really doesn't happen that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's such a plus to have on the team. And um, yeah, I just, I'm amazed every time I watch him, to be honest. Yeah. And 
it's not just his it's not just his dribbling it's it's his passing as well like he's very progressive if you look at any kind of charts of progressive passers mm-hmm. he's always right up there like he's not he's not just some kind of one trick pony that can just pick up the ball and dribble um he literally just does everything. And the only thing I will say, the only thing that's actually annoyed me a little bit about Tuchel is his kind of reluctance to just put his, put him as the first name on the team sheet every single week. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I think, obviously, going back to the first leg, I think that was the big mistake. Yeah. I think Tuchel knew that as well. As you saw in the Southampton game, he went straight in. Real Madrid game went straight back in. I think he kind of knew. Um, obviously, I don't know what Tuchel thinks, but I think that was a big mistake from the first game to not play cover. And obviously... You can't kind of um, discount the, like you said, it's his return. And I think mentally that sometimes obviously it can go wrong, but mentally for a player returning to a club where he probably thought he didn't get, get a fair chance. Yeah. We're calling him like jeans man when he was winning <laughs> and not playing. Um, so he's probably got like, he's got a, he's got a um, chip on his shoulder. So I think that helps. And he was probably like, as so Modric, yeah. Modric, amazing footballer, probably the best footballer midfielder of the generation, or top three, whatever. Before that assist, he weren't like playing oh, amazing. Don't like, get me started. Kovacic was having him in a blender the whole game. Kovacic. This is the thing. This is the yeah, thing. I don't even this think is... it's just Kovacic. It was yeah. Ruben and Kevin. Everyone. Yeah, 100, 100, 100. This is what's bothering me, right? So, like, what Modric did, that assist, yeah, to break the game, to make it 3 1, was. Fantastic, like insane. I will say, never get it twisted. That was an incredible pass. But for 80 minutes, he was getting bland. For 80 minutes, he would make Mason out, had him on toast, Kovacic had him on toast, Kante had him on toast, Ruben had him on. He was getting bland by everyone. So I don't have this understand this, this, this naive and this, this bias, this confirmation bias view that. He performed exceptionally that game. Out of one assist, it just it confirms to me that a lot of people just watch games in moments rather than actually watching games. Because Modric wasn't great. Modric was pretty poor, but he had a fantastic game changing assist. And, and someone was, tried convincing me that he won the tie, not Benzema. I was like, the clear difference between the two teams was Kareem Benzema's finish. Exactly. And exactly. They, she had no. to tell me, no, it was. Modric's control of the game. I was like, what the 15 minutes in extra time? Yes. Even then, but even then, like we had so many chances, even in extra time. Referencing that as in control is balmy to me because Real Madrid weren't in control. Bro, the players Real were coming Madrid out saying like weren't even the better. Like Tibo literally came out and said, like, yeah, they were better than us, but fair enough. Yeah, he he himself came out and yeah. said Chelsea are the best team we've played, Chelsea are the best team that I've played, the most difficult opponents I've played, because of the amount that they work, like tactically, we're all over them. We so I don't, I don't get that. That the whole logic that he performed well. He said that they didn't play well. We could have been like six 0 up, and it, it could have been, been unfair. Comfortably. I don't want to get this talking about the decisions that went against us because it was insane to me. In fact, I do want to talk about it. Who am I like? Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? <laughs> um, that handball rule, yeah. I know the referee just in- enacting the rule and just implementing the rule, but that is horrific and that needs to change because how is it possible for it to be handball in one instance but not handball in another? It makes no sense. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if he scuffed the shot, if he scuffed the shot and it like went across the box and someone else scored, it would have stood. If it, and the thing is, right. if, if a defender handled the ball the same way, it would have been given. So, how? If you know what, means I don't have an issue with that one. That's the only one I don't have an issue with. Let's not get the, we're going to get started on the penalties then. No, no, what I'm saying, Rex, is I understand why it was chalked off. I just think the rule sucks. The rule sucks yeah. entirely. Now, the penalties. Oh, my God. How? Just how were we not given a penalty? Oh, they didn't even check them. Bro, I don't understand. Thomas Tuchel rightfully pointed out that you won't get decisions like this against Real Madrid in the Champions League. Because he's laughing and giggling with Ancelotti, asking about Bro, what fucking bottle how, of wine he's going to have. How is this possible? Because Kai Havertz was clearly, clearly fouled by Casemiro in the box. Clearly. Then the Timo Werner one, for the life of me, I don't understand how that wasn't checked. He wasn't even looking at the ball. It was insane. Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw that in the game and I just didn't really think anything of it because I was like, oh, I must see one of them ones. And I saw a replay of the game. I was like, he's literally just like dragged him down to the floor Believe like WWE it. style. I was like, what's, what's going on You know, here, I don't think our players make enough of those situations. Like Madrid's no, even, players yeah. would have surrounded that wreck. Like you would have had Casemiro with his pom-poms. You would have Luca. Don't even get me started face. on them Spanish teams. Like I was I'm oh, fuming. Like, the way they just jump on the floor, roll around. Sound like a proper Yadarnell, but oh, I fucking ate it. It pro- when you're losing, yeah, and any little touch, you got Carver how like I know they're screaming as well. That's what makes it even worse. I know they're screaming and it, it proper winds me up. I'm just like, yeah. bro, just please, man. I I get it, like it's anything to win, and the Spanish teams are the best at that. It's what they it's what they do, but I can't respect it. I can't at all. I think you it's end moist. up clock watching and that clock starts moving faster. Yeah, and then they never add on the right amount of time as well. Never, ever. Just, yeah, proper Yeah, it was, very frustra- it was very frustrating. Obviously, they had the play acting and all that stuff, but it's just one of those things where I feel like over the course of the tie, despite such a fantastic performance, and it's one of the best away performances in the history of Champions League, yeah, I think it's our first uh, English team to score three at Bernabeu since the yeah, like 60s or 50s. We, we, we smacked them up, and it's just, it was just disappointing. But at the same time, you can kind of go out that way. And even I said it, like before, before kickoff, I said, look, even if we go out today, we have to go out with a fight. We have to go out showing courage, and we have to go out at least showing our level. And my word, the boys did absolutely that. So I can really, honestly, have no complaints. Obviously, I'll complain about the decisions that went against us. Obviously, I'll complain about it. Or not even complain, but I'll bemoan the individual errors and the mistakes that were made. Um, But I can't fault the boys, man. They gave everything. Even with the mistakes that Kante made and people say, yeah, he cost us. Yeah, he probably did. But the effort that those boys put in, I can't really bemoan them, man. I can't. It, 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 I'd be a sick human being to bemoan them for their performances because they were all at least a 6 out of 10. At least. At least a 7 out of 10, sorry. Um, but speaking about individual errors, let's talk about N'Golo Kante because there's a lot of people saying that, oh, his time is up. And he really should be looking, we should look to move him on. And people talking about Declan Rice and Shusha Tuameni. Here we go, all over again. Um, Sam, I kind of want to get your thoughts because you've kind of made it be known that you kind of want Kante phased out a bit. Um, where you stand on that, especially after the game the other day? Where, where, do, you, where do you stand on it now? Listen, I remember after the um, first Real Madrid game and the Brentford game, I said, I was like, Kante's going to put in a monster performance against Southampton. Like, I just knew it. He always does this. Like, when he has a little bit of a dip in form, he always puts in a monster performance. But listen, if you put in those performances all the time and he could play regularly, but I do think we have to start succession planning. His body can't handle it. Like, it's nothing against him, but I don't think he can do the two games a week. And how often do we play two games a week? Like, at least kind of two two times a month, we're playing at least two games a week. So mm. we need someone there to kind of, to be there for when Kante's finally body decides to give up. Because it's going to happen sooner rather than later, um, I think. You, you can just tell. Um, I mean, I think the biggest problem in this game was, I think maybe the Jorginho sub should have came when we went 3-0 up. Um because I think I could visibly see Kante, like, breathing. And he doesn't, like, look it sometimes, because even when, like, he defends back on transition, he's still sprinting, he looks like he's got a lot of energy. But he just... I think with Kante, he doesn't lose his energy as much. He almost loses, like, a bit of concentration when he gets tired. Yeah, like, his mental um, kind of decision-making. And listen, the first goal, the mistake, it's not too much for me. I mean, I think sometimes you have to hold your hand up. Listen... Modric had the ball, what, like 50 yards out? And Travella's it with the outside of his boot. And then even the finish is world-class. Like, you're like, okay. That's, that goal was just like, whatever. That was annoying. The second mistake, I think, was really silly. He tried to do some like weird, like, kind of chip. Um, was that the second one or the first one? That was the first one. That was, that was the, the first, first one. one. 
And this, this, oh no, yeah, the second one was sorry. The second one was um where he kind of left it and he thought Ruben was going to get it, but Kante was much closer. So I don't know why he didn't go for it. Um, I think that, like I said, I just think his kind of his brain almost maybe loses a little bit of speed. That sounds rude, but like I think um he just loses that bit of sharpness. Um, rather than his body doesn't like he still can run and he can still tackle and all that, but I think he loses that bit of kind of sharpness, and I think. I think that's what really affected us. Um, but I can't, I can't kind of moan at Kante. Um, they had two chances. They scored two goals. That um, is what it is, man. I mean, then, okay, so the first one, like you said, where you tried to flick it over two people, I think it was needless. In fact, I'd go further and say that it was just a completely the wrong decision. I understand that Ruben was about to make the transition. But Reese James was right next to him. He could have just passed it to Reese James and then flick it over. He had a better angle for the pass anyway. So, and that's even safe because if it goes wrong, um, Reese just clears it out and it's like a throw in. You, you know, you get to reset. By that time, Ruder goes on his, on his bike already to kind of get us driving up the pitch. You know what I mean? And that's a ploy. That's a tactical ploy. So Kante at that moment made a big, big error, a needless one. Um, and it was just bad. It was bad. Obviously, Modric, you're not really sensing that much danger there. But when Rudy's out of position, you're kind of in trouble. You know what I mean? Um, so the first one was frustrating. And I completely agree, Sam. When it comes to fatigue, Kante starts making sloppy errors. And I think on the 70th minute, I messaged a group chat saying Kante's been very sloppy. Very sloppy. That's 10 minutes before the goal. I said Kante's been very, very sloppy. Um, Alexis. The second goal as well. Talk me through it because people say that's on Ruben. I said there was on Ruben. I think you called me out. Yeah, um, I, I, I was. Yeah, I wasn't sure that was on Ruben because because for me because if you look at the angle, Kante sees that ball. Kante is all like he said that that's his ball. Yeah, he stops. Kante stops. Ruben wasn't even. Yeah, Ruben was still jogging. Kante actually stopped. And that's allowed Camavinga to get the ball. And the body shape as well. Kante's running towards it. Yeah, Ruben has to run backwards. And come backwards. But you know, for me, it was once that mistake happens, Ruben has to clamp him, take his legs out, or grab him. I can definitely yellow. I agree to an extent, but I also think Ruben's thinking, if I foul him and get a yellow, I'm out of the next leg. I'm out of the next round. Basically. Oh, yeah, you can't. I don't say that nah, because yeah, I'm yeah. pissed off at him for thinking that. No, yeah, but yeah. I'm, no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But think about it like this, right? Well, Brandon Slavovanovic, mate, messing up. A yeah, 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 just, think, just think about it like this. <laughs> like, I, I think what happened was he thinks Kante's getting the ball. Kante stops. Then Ruben's like, oh shit! By this time, Camavinga's already got the ball. It's too late. It's too late. Camavinga's already off. Look, just rewatch it, and you'll see. And even if he tries to bring him down. By that time, it's from behind. From behind, you're in big trouble. In the Champions League, I swear, the rules are, if you purposely try and take somebody down from behind, it's a red card. I swear. So I, I, I remember that's the rule. Listen, with that ref, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a You know what I mean? So, and especially after he gave Reese James a soft yellow card for a turn. Anyway, don't get me started. But, yeah, I, I think what's playing on his mind is like, if I found him now, I'm getting either yellow at worst, I mean, at best, red, possible, possible. You know what I mean? Because Camavinga was off. Look at it. And I feel like Kante completely stopped because he just had a brain fart moment where he was just fatigued, tired, and he thought Ruben was going to get it, even though Camavinga was right on there. It was a poor, poor, poor decision from... But you know with this tiredness, right? One, I I agree with the phase in Kante not to the bench, but almost selecting the games he plays. So picking and choosing, like a load management. Agreed, agreed. But at the same time, Chelsea have played every game they could have this year. For example, Mm -hmm. we got to the final of the Carling Cup. We've we've won the Club World Cup. We won the Super Cup. Every game we could have potentially been in or like saved by just getting knocked out of the FA Cup earlier or getting knocked out of the Cup. We've played every single allocated minute. And... The That's majority bad. of minutes went between Jorginho, uh, Kova, and Kante. And they're not like spring chicken, if you know what I mean. They're not young, like, especially Jorginho and Kante. Like, they need to get 
this is why I think we really messed up last summer with the Saul signing because Saul's technically not a signing. It's it's technically, technically a not youth, a footballer to be honest, right? It, it, no, because it's like <laughs> it's it's the minutes a youth player should have played. Yeah, yeah, agreed. it's where you integrate someone in in the cup games here and there. But they brought him in as cover. But in reality, when he came on, him and Jorginho, that's when, in my opinion, we completely lost extra time because the energy was gone. It was mm. it was two players that was looking like they played 90 minutes with their physical attributes instead of... But I'm not saying they're bad players. They just have a different style. They're not Jorginho. They're not Kante and Kova in, the, mm. in their approach. Yeah, I definitely. By the way, do any of you think Mendy had a poor two-legged affair? Uh, I don't think the first. I don't think the second leg. Second leg, he was fine. The first leg, that was just a cataclysmic error. I feel like I can't say. Pretty much, sort of put us out. To be honest, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say that, uh, but I'm not gonna criticize him for the second leg. I mean, second leg, he was he was good. I, I can't really have any complaints. People had complaints about the header. I mean, I I didn't understand the the header. Yeah, but a lot of people were saying, oh, I think Yas said it. Uh, he tweeted something about men. Like someone said, oh, we, we were saying Mendy's the best goalkeeper in the in the world. And then Yas replied, it's just a very good upgrade from Kepa that's had us confused. And like, oh. I don't agree. That's rubbish. I mean, I mean, I know he's not that. the best goalie in the world. Definitely something else. I still think he is in and about that million percent. A million percent. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But I still, like, even... I think Thibaut is still better than him, to be honest. I don't know. He's top five. He's top, I don't, I don't top think, five. Again, I don't, see, I feel like performances, one performance here and there, people get a little bit thrown off. Thibaut Courtois made fantastic saves, yes. But should he have saved Havertz's goal? Yes. Should he have saved Timo Werner's goal? Yes. So I feel like people, people, if 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 Timo, if Real Madrid lost that game, people will be pointing at Timo, um, Timo Werner's goal. They'll be pointing at um, Kyle Havertz's goal in the first leg as well, because those he maybe, got hands. Man, maybe. You know what I mean? I, I feel like there's an over harshness on. I don't feel like, especially especially where I feel like the header by Benzema, you're going the other way. He heads it into the ground. It's yeah. perfect. Like, uh, what's his name? Rudiger slips and is also, is also impeding the vision of Mendy. I just, I think it's mad. I mean, you can't... You oh, can't. yeah, I don't... The only one, the only, like, one I think he genuinely did have a chance of saving was actually Benzema's first header. Oh, I don't know, man. Oh, no, man, I perfect. don't know. That was beautiful. Like, that was it was, perfect. it was, but it was so far out. Mm. Like, I honestly... Like, do you telling me you don't think Allison has a chance to save him? Man? I don't think so. Do you know how perfect so. that was? I don't know, man. You see the same no. Allison made last night. Do you know what it is? Well, uh, but I've also seen Mendy make incredible uh, out Benzema's shot last season at a bridge, swiveled on the sixth. Oh, yeah, he's an amazing, goalie. He's an amazing goalie. Bro, what I'm saying is there are certain things that you just can't save. That strike, that, I mean, that that header was so perfect, especially Benzema's going away from goal. But do you not think, like, to be the best goalie in the world, sometimes you should be making saves that you're not supposed to make? Yeah, but he has made those, hasn't he? He has, he has. That's the thing, he has. Even this season. I'd say the Brentford game, he was incredible. That's the thing. I feel like like we're wrong. We can't expect him to save super elite strikes and finishes. No, but then on the other hand, you think, like, saying he was good in the second leg, yeah? Did he yeah. actually have anything to do? No, I, I, I'm I, mean, I had no, my points are he, I had I had no complaints about Mendy's performance in second. I love Mendy, and we don't need to replace him. He's definitely probably top five goalies in the world. I just yeah, my the point best is, in the I, world shouts was the, no. My, my point now, I think I still think he's best in the world. But my point is, I've got no complaints. You what you think he's better than Allison? I still do. I still do. Uh, I still do. I still do. And I feel like. Allison's pulling out incredible saves every single yeah, week. But, it's mad. But, but he's also still getting packed in because that's what goalkeepers do. Goalkeepers get packed in. That's just how this is nature of football. Yeah, but I would say like 1v1 in. ability, Allison is one of the best I've seen, man. Yeah. But then coming, for, coming for corners and coming exactly. for crosses, I think exactly. Mendy's one of the best we've seen. Like, I, uh, I don't know about that. I think Tebow is much better than him at that stuff. Do you uh, Mendy, so? Mendy flaps quite like often at punches and stuff. I don't think he's as strong as kind of Tebow. 
Yeah, but I'm not Cor- saying he's not no, good no, at it. Like, he's really no, good at saying, it. That's the thing. So, so Courtois, Courtois, that is literally Courtois' MO. That's that's a specialty. When we actually bought him, that was one of his biggest specialties in terms of claiming the ball from corners and set pieces. That is because he's like, what, six, seven, six, eight or something like that. That's one of his specialties. But Mendy's still very good at it. Like just yeah, class. I mean, I feel like I feel like people have short memories, and it's cool because that's the nature of football these days. But I just feel like I can't write off Mendy's how good he is because well, he's amazing. I don't think so. I feel like he has had, even, and, but really. even even with like some of like the missed kicks, it's not like it's new. We've seen some of the things, but when you're a ball playing goalkeeper. Just like when you're ball playing midfielder, you're going to make some mistakes with your passes, especially when you're playing risky passes. It just happens. It happens. You make mistakes with your touches, you make mistakes with your passes, because that's the nature of the play, the type of game you're playing. High risk, high reward. Sometimes sure, man. I wrong. think it's hard as well, because last year he did have that like air of invincibility. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just felt know, like he was I know, incredible. Man. Yeah, I thought... I, it, <laughs> I don't feel like I look at Mendy thinking, oh, no, that's a big weakness here. Like, Listen, I'm not going to judge like... Mendy for anything apart from that dumb mistake he made. Exactly. That was stupid. Exactly. That's it. You know what I mean? So like, That was just like, I don't know what that was. Like, that was just a lapse of concentration. Like, he just scuffed it like two-yard pass. Yeah. It's being too co- too comfortable. That, that was 100. the issue. Like, it won't... Ha- and you saw... He was more decisive in his passing at Southampton and... Yeah, 100, 100. He went back to normal. Yeah, it was straight back to normal. Concentration was back on. It happens. Needs for me to hear the nail on the head. Happens. Yeah, it happens, man. It happens. But anyway, it was such a valiant performance from the boys. Um, Very difficult to really fault anyone. Obviously, it's, it's difficult considering... Yeah, all things being considered, it's difficult that we went out. Um, but I think the boys can be proud. Obviously, onwards, we move for this weekend. I honestly um, think that performance will give us um, confidence, though. Even though we lost, it's very weird to say. We technically didn't lose. We actually won 3-1 on the stat sheet because you know yeah. how they do it. But like, I think it will give us confidence and it will like let them feel like they've gone to Madrid now, the biggest stadium in the world. Not like capacity. Well, I don't know if it's capacity-wise, but... In terms like, of history. Yeah, yeah like the, the biggest, kind of most iconic stadium in the world. And, like, I just I, I just need to shout out Reese James and Mason Mount. Like, Incredible. just having, like, kids from the academy that have come through. And, like, Reese James, you've got Vinicius acting like a fucking a cheerleader in his comments, going, good. You've got Benzema <laughs> asking for his shirt. Like, yeah. they're trying to tap him up, man. I, I, none of, of that. I'm glad his dad came out. Was it? Was that comment that people were sharing? Was that from today? Or was that an old? I think, I think so. Yeah. Obviously, saying it's his dream to, and I love that because like my favorite ever player is Hazard, like ever, and the one kind of annoying thing was that it wasn't his dream, and like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, as, as soppy as that is, and some people say, "Oh, that stuff doesn't matter," but like to me, it does. And having a player that just wants to. Like his dream is to captain Chelsea. He's been at Chelsea since what eight? I don't, I don't know yeah. how young he was, but just it's it's such a nice feeling. And having those two like step up on the big stage when everyone's watching, and like obviously, I think I think with with James, everyone already knows his quality. Most I don't really see many rival fans, bar probably your Liverpool fans, and that's obvious why. You know why that happens. Of we course. probably do that to Liverpool fans as well. Like. Uh, just that's the nature of a football rivalry but for Mount I really think he kind of a lot of people I saw were just like okay yeah fair enough it's like I hope that finally that acceptance that he is probably going to be a starter for years to come he's like he's going to be a like Chelsea he's probably going to be a Chelsea legend by the time he retires both of them I hope and I just love that you think with Mount it's because there's so much more to come yeah, like, it's the haircut. If, no, <laughs> no, but like with Mount, I think there's even more development area. Like with Reese, if Reese stays the same for the rest of his career, he's I still think he's going to be. Yeah, yeah, he'll be great regardless. But with Mount, I think there's even more to come, like from a tactical aspect. Yeah, yeah. man. Like I mean, like like just look at the certain money is getting compared to like fucking Bro, disappearing against like, certain certain teams and that, not doing anything. And, uh, 
yeah, yeah. Um, getting nutmegged by Wepu and man like that. Like, but, don't get me hey. started, man. Don't get me started. That, those comparisons just generally make me sick. I don't even want to... Yeah, really I mean, it's just like... What's that now? He's got like he's got a goal and assist at the Bernabeu. Didn't he get a, either a goal or assist in every game or every round of our Champions League? Yeah, last man, year? he obviously stop, got the man. big assist in the final. And yeah, you can't judge football on these moments, but like you can also. How many? Okay, we'll ask this then. How many twenty-two-year-olds? I think he's still twenty-two or twenty-three, right? How many twenty-two, twenty-three-year-olds have had moments like that in their professional careers? Not many. Not many. Not I, I think many. he was actually the first one to get it. Yeah, so that, that, they, people need to really chill with that rubbish. You know, you've got so many levels to get to, to even before you start comparing to Mason. You know what I'm saying? So, but, um, I do believe that in life there are people that are winners. And Reese, Callum, Ruben, like, you know, Chelsea creates winners from a young age. And, and I genuinely do believe it Because all they do is win. It, it yeah. translates into the first, like into the first team if you have the right culture. Yeah, I'm big on having the proper experienced players that are the sample size in the team, and then slowly integrate them in. A hundred, and like, and then like if you ever think finished. of Chelsea at their best, like John Terry, obviously is a bit of a bit of a wronging and all that, but like everyone who's come to Chelsea, they do speak pretty highly of him and like how he kind of was the like. Yeah. He, that I spoke to everyone, and then you had Lampard, you had Drogba, you had Czech. Like, I think the kind of Mount, the Jameses, they are this new gen of those players. And hopefully, like, Callum and that can get there, but obviously, I think Callum just needs game time and all that, so there's difference with, yeah. difference with funny, him. Funny, I also don't think Callum is no, no, just the a way more reserved. I think. No, but also, the way Tuchel speaks about Callum, he seems like it's a big miss. He feels like it's a big miss. Yeah, yeah. He's also he's um, a bit of a quieter leader. Though, yeah. Like I don't think he's like you see Mount like in the kind of 118th minute. Like I think um, Havertz missed the header and I like cut to Mount and it's like don't worry, like come on, come on. Yeah. And like you see James do that a lot as well. And I think you you need those kind of you need that in a team. And I I like that um, they're both bastards as well. Mm. And Havertz yeah. has got that in him as well. Like that mean streak. Yeah, hundred and like I, my favorite thing about Reese James is we'll be randomly four 0 up and just in our own box he'll just do. Really Starts taking a piss, yeah, just for no reason. And like he needs that. Like I love that he's got that in it. Yeah, that edge is there. Absolutely. Yeah, man. But yeah, on we are to this weekend against um, Crystal Palace in the FA Cup semi final. Um, how are you guys feeling about that? Should be a good game. Yeah. Um, Rotation. I I kind of feel like the emotions of the game. Tuchel's big on not only just the physical aspects of the player, but emotionally, are they going to be invested and able to get up for the game? I know everyone's going to say it's a semi-final, so they should be, but what they went through was pretty big. Um, they made history in a good and a bad way. Like because yeah. They were 10 minutes away from being not only Chelsea legends, but footballing gods where yeah. my kid's most probably going to be re-watching that game yeah. over and over again. Yeah. But, so, I think we'll go in there. I think the players know they need to win something this year because it's the nature of the club. So, we've got a great chance and I don't doubt that we can beat Palace. Yeah, I mean, not to disrespect Palace, but it's almost a free run for the final. Like, we got lucky we didn't get City or Liverpool in the draw. We got the easier team. They're probably most influential player this year, or one of their most influential players can't play because he plays for us. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure we can do it. And um, yeah, let, let, well, let's just have. Yeah. Let's see. I hope we'll win. What's the score result? Um, score prediction from you both, Alexis. I think. Uh, 3-1 victory, I think. Sam? I'm going to go 4-0. Goal scorer is Lexus. <laughs> oh, I, I think Ziyech will get one. And Kai Brace. Sam? 4-0, uh, so I reckon, reckon we're going to get a cheeky, cheeky little header from a corner like we love. Give it Thiago Silva. Give it Mason Mount assist. Yeah, cheeky little Mason Mount set play. Set piece, they love that. Um, and then I think ZX is going to get two. Oh, and wow. then 
I think I think Werner's going to carry on his good form and uh, get oh, fourth. By the way, can we have a conversation on politics, please? No, not not today, because I'm tired of that name. Really, <laughs> not really on talking about that guy, bro. How but does he come on looking tired? He's horrible. Yes. Horrible. And the, honestly, the one thing I will say is the sooner that we cut ties with him, the better. Anyway, we're, we're going to leave it there. Um, and hopefully we'll be in a FA Cup semi well FA Cup final and hopefully we can get rid of this domestic cup. Who do that? Hopefully, man. Over. Give us Liverpool. I'm I want saying, to beat them. So, Sports Social Podcast Network.